Chapter Seventeen of Red Diamonds by Justin McCarthy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Chapter Seventeen in Ranelagh Gardens. No, not in the grounds, Fidelia said hurriedly. But somewhere else, if you like. I don't want to walk in the grounds just now. I don't know why something has happened to disturb you uh, no no please don't ask me any questions she became embarrassed and impulsive embarrassment always leads to impulsiveness in her anxiety to avoid any cross-examination about bostock concerning whom she was much more alarmed than she would have cared to admit even to herself and of all men in the world she would least have wished to bring gerald into this affair so to save herself from having to be truthful she had to put on a false air of coquetry if you really don't want to walk out with me she said of course i don't mean to press you if i don't want to walk out with you yes very well you need not protest then if you do want to walk out with me i don't see why we might not walk in ranelagh gardens have you ever walked in ranelagh gardens gerald did not know what he answered at the moment he did not remember whether he had ever walked in ranelagh gardens or not what did he care he knew he was going to walk with fidelia locke there now and that was enough for him it was a summer evening an hour before sunset and he was to dine out that evening he would probably be a little late for his dinner-party but that did not much concern him he felt all aflame he was sure that a crisis was coming the walk in ranelagh gardens he felt must decide his fate if he was mistaken if fidelia was only animated by some excitement which had nothing to do with him then the sooner he knew it the better never could he have again so good a chance as now ah surely surely he could not have misinterpreted the welcoming glance in her eyes when he came into the hall and found her with bostock if that gleam of light did not mean love ah then he had read poems and dreamt dreams to no purpose and all in vain my fate cries out he said to himself in the words of hamlet all this he thought of while fidelia was putting on her hat to go with him to ranelagh gardens a moment or two later they had to travel but a little distance they were walking in the gardens that bear the famous name of ranelagh neither knew nor cared about the traditions of the place fidelia probably did not even know what had been its traditions gerald was not then in a mind to concern himself about them all the bores and bells all the bucks and dandies and dandisettes who had once enlivened the gardens with their more or less vapid laughter might never have lived so far as these young lovers were concerned 
for gerald all the storied memories of all the ages were summed up in the one thought that he was with fidelia locke in a lonely garden of chelsea and that he had made up his mind to tell her there and then that he loved her out of that garden she should not go until he had told her his love come what would he must tell her that not another day must pass when she went to rest that night she must bear with her to the pillow the knowledge that he loved her would it surprise her would it shock her would she have to tell him that she could not give back his love that she would always regard him as a brother and all that sad crushing commonplace of excuse as if a man who wanted to be a lover ever cared about being considered a brother that very thought was passing through gerald's mind at the moment the very same thought that bostock had lately put into words i would rather she told me that she hated me he said to himself than that she regarded me as a brother but was it possible she could hate him she had been always sweetly frank and friendly to him no she did not hate him that was certain it was clear that she liked his companionship but a woman may like and even dearly like a man's companionship without being in the least degree in love with him or having the faintest inclination to marry him and this gerald thoroughly understood he was even inclined to draw evil augury from her present liking for his companionship if she were in love with him she would seem less at her ease in his society than she did that day she would not have asked him to walk out with her she would not have said so outspokenly that she was glad when he came thus he thought tormenting himself and contradicting himself after the true lover's immemorial way but it must all be settled then and there before they passed forth of that gateway again he did not come to it quickly however he and she talked slowly and in low tones about all manner of things which little concerned them or anybody else the sun was about to sink and gerald knew that fidelia would have soon to go home would he fail of his purpose after all no he determined that if he reached that period of their walk when he had only time left to say fidelia i love you will you be my wife he would say it and get her answer he could not face a new day with the doubt and the uncertainty and the suspense see she said the sun is going down and everybody is gone the everybodies were very few to begin with he answered somewhat vapidly and their disappearance does not make much difference but we ought to be going too why ought we well i don't know but i suppose they will soon want to close the gates 
and we can't exactly allow ourselves to be locked in oh they will be sure to come and tell us and why should we not allow ourselves to be locked in and spend the night wandering in this garden i should like it of all things ridiculous she said with a light flush on her face we should catch fearful colds and what would lady scardale say she would think i was very happy gerald said defiantly fidelia looked at him wonderingly and her heart began to beat more quickly come she said decisively we must go wait a little i-i have something to say to you fidelia he had never called her by her name before she panted and her eyes grew dim she knew what was coming now is it not strange he said impetuously determined to get to the end of it is it not strange fidelia how you and i have been thrown together how a sort of mysterious common destiny has twined itself around us both and brought us both at the same time calamity and fortune is it not a wonderful thing it is indeed she said slowly a strange story fancy he said six months ago i was a poor young journalist and i had never heard of the diamond mines and i had never heard of you and i had never heard of the diamond mine and i had never heard of you and i believed my father was living and that i should see him again now i know that he is dead yes gerald interposed hastily and i then thought my father was living too and i know now that he is dead he hastened over all this for he could not pretend that their sorrow was equal he could not persuade himself that he grieved for his father as she grieved for hers gerald was almost jealous of her grief for the loss of her father almost resented it i didn't mean that he added i was thinking of how you and i have been brought together and of the stupid life i was leading before i knew you and how strangely we have been brought together and linked together in this story which no one would think of believing if it was made into a romance doesn't it all mean something fidelia she opened her eyes with a sort of start you make me start she said when you call me by my name then she wished she had not said anything about it are you angry he asked would you rather i did not call you by your name it does not matter but i am not used to it and it made me start you never called me fidelia before one must begin some time must one why oh you know why he exclaimed 
you must know quite well because i love you fidelia because i am in love with you and because i want you to be my wife there was a moment's pause and gerald waited in an agony of silence yet even then he was glad he had spoken it was done it was out it was a relief call me fidelia she said always oh you darling he exclaimed and he put his arm around her waist and drew her to him and kissed her there was no looker on save alone the kindly sun and even he was about to withdraw below the horizon and allow this young lover unseen to kiss his true love once again fidelia he exclaimed fidelia always but not fidelia lock not always she said with a smile struggling against tears soon it may be fidelia a long pause fidelia aspen then they passed out of the garden and then walked home together ah bear in mind that garden was enchanted so edgar poe bids us to remember of the garden where his lover first saw and last saw his mystic unforgotten helen that ranelagh garden will always be enchanted for gerald and for fidelia no spot on earth will ever for either of them have the magic sweetness the delight the perfume of that lonely nook in chelsea where gerald found courage to put his love into words you do care about me he asked as they were passing out of the gates oh yes if i didn't do you think i should not have let you know yes yes of course he answered awkwardly i hardly knew what i was saying i am so happy fidelia and i too she said frankly and simply i suppose you knew that i was in love with you he asked looking closely at her for the first time since his declaration oh yes was her straightforward answer and then her eyelids went down and a deeper colour came into her cheek how long have you known it i can't tell ever so long and tell me how long have you cared for me i don't know I suppose ever since you began to care for me how strange he said musingly we have no one to consult about all this we have no kith or kin you and i we are absolutely free to do as we please with our own lives no she said solemnly looking up at him i have my father fidelia your father yes i must find out about him and his death before i can marry you gerald a pang of disappointment and a thrill of delight went through him he was disappointed to hear that anything depended on the quest into her father's fate 
he was delighted to hear her for the first time call him gerald fidelia he remonstrated very tenderly you have promised me you have as good as given me your word oh yes gerald i will be your wife if you wish it for i love you but we must first find out how my father was killed suppose we cannot find out but we can you will help me if we married first i might get to be too happy i might become entirely wrapped up in my love for you and in my selfish happiness and i might forget what i owe to my dear lost father you will help me to find out you will be all the more eager to help me because of my resolve are you really determined on this fidelia quite determined gerald and if i were not i should expect you and ask of you to keep me up to my resolve i don't believe you really love me at all he said passionately for the moment his disappointment was profound i love you she protested with all my soul and with all my strength i have never felt one touch of love before but i must keep to this resolve gerald and you must help to keep me to it she looked with utter confidence into his eyes gerald's heart was torn with distracting emotions she loved him loved him loved no one else that was the first thought all his alarms about rupert granton had been utterly without foundation that ought to be enough to fill his soul with happiness but then came the bitter thought she will not marry me for that was what it came to she would not marry until she had found out all about her father's death and he gerald must help her to find it out and he gerald already knew all about it that was to be known and he could not tell her he could not in conscience and in honour betray the secret of rupert granton no he could not do that even to have fidelia look for his wife he could not ask granton to save him by revealing the whole story he could not ask granton to make himself odious to fidelia and an object of repugnance to lady scardale by avowing that he had killed fidelia's father granton had generously trusted him and he could not betray the confidence would fidelia cling to her purpose alas he feared that she would he had seen that purpose growing up in her and he did not believe it would wither it was founded on an entirely wrong impression on the conviction that her father had been foully murdered if that conviction could be removed the purpose would go with it but how could it be removed only one man living could put the story in its true light to fidelia and that man was rupert granton and he could only do that by proclaiming that his was the hand which had done her father to death 
again gerald felt as if it would be playing false with the girl's feelings if he were to profess or pretend that he was assisting her in finding out all about her father's death this would be to enact a dismal farce and to make the girl he loved an unconscious performer in it look what way he would the prospect seemed one only of disappointment of distress and even of despair there was a moment's pause the lovers were pacing alone one of the deserted streets of the chelsea region they had it all to themselves nothing could well be more lonely the storied lovers who were cast ashore on the hitherto uninhabited island of madeira could hardly have felt themselves more apart from the rush of human life than this pair lingering in a street on the edge of the thames and within an eighteen-penny cap fare of the houses of parliament and the charing cross station then gerald spoke in a timid embarrassed sort of way elderly readers will understand it perhaps even better than the younger to whom the sensation if they have had it is still too near to be quite crystallized into permanent form gerald felt all that exquisite that delightful shyness which comes to a young man when for the first time in his life a sweet girl imposes on him the responsibilities of her destiny it is a rare moment after life has perhaps nothing quite equal to it couldn't i help you better as-as your husband fidelia he stammered out in an awkward sort of way no she said fervently no gerald i feel as if i had no right to any happiness and as if the man i loved had no right to any happiness and you are the man i love gerald until i had tried to do my duty to my dear father my murdered father i feel like one of the girls in the greek poems don't you know that have been translated for us at the college the girls who had to fulfil some solemn task for a father or a brother or a sister and who had to do that before they could pretend to try to be happy you will indulge me in this you will help me in this you will oh you will my dear there was passion in her voice the glory of the sinking sun was on her face they were now near to the gate of the culture college gerald would have longed to kiss her but he could not attempt it then and there i love you i adore you was all he said good night good night gerald so they parted for the evening and went their ways with somewhat different emotions gerald was indeed happy to know that fidelia loved him to be relieved from all torturing doubts on that great hope of his life but with the exacting unsatisfied impatience of the man he was troubled because of the condition imposed by fidelia on their love 
and the difficulty of his fulfilling it he might have known that since the girl loved him she would find a way somehow to make it easy for him to come to his heart's desire the reasonable part of his trouble was that he could not be quite frank with her for complete frankness would have meant the betrayal of the secret of another fidelia for her part was wrapped in a measureless content she had loved him from the first now she knew that he loved her she assumed she took it for granted that he would devote himself to her purpose as regarded her father's death and would make it a purpose of his own she had all the sweet unreasonableness and the unquestioning instinctive trust of a woman in her lover the feeling that whatever i want him to do that he will wish to do she also had a curious feminine sense of newly found protection the exquisite delight of resting on a strength stronger than her own gerald will make everything easy for me such was her feeling the very talk with bostock that day brought her with its memory a new sense of protection there was a vague alarm lingering in her because of bostock's declarations to her the utterly unexpected avowal of his love his threats his agitating announcement that he was not really the man he professed to be and did not own the name he professed to bear she felt guarded against all that danger now if danger there should be for gerald would take care of her yet she could not tell that story to gerald just yet she too had to keep her secret so they parted this true pair of lovers each having something on the mind which as yet the other must not be allowed to know but of the two fidelia was the more happy although she did not for that night tell the story of her happiness to lady scardale she felt timid and shy about the confession of her love End of chapter 17